they, they have, the worship team had these fans up almost always on the stage, and, and then the pianist would go to play, and the fan almost every week would knock the papers down. I'd be like, you guys got to get it together. But <laughs> anyways, anyways, um, <clears throat> just as we start, uh, I, I had someone say to me that, um, well, we know that Marion Hartman is in the hospital, and then also Tony's daughter is in the hospital as she fell off a tree yesterday, and uh, let's, let's just pray real quick. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, we come to you and, and give both of these people to you, Lord Jesus. May you rule over their situations. May you give them hope. May you give them peace. May you put your healing hands upon them, and may you um, bring comfort to them in a time when they don't have comfort or peace. In your name we pray. Amen. Kind of ties in a little bit to what we're going to be starting with this morning. This morning as we start, I, I have a question for you, and it's this. Uh, <clears throat> Where do you see conflicted people? Where do you see people who are frustrated? Where do you, what are things that cause people to have a lack of peace? Faith, okay, that could be one, yep. Lack of faith, what else? Worry, Worry. about what? You got a lot of that going on right now? Yeah, yeah. What else? I didn't hear that. Pain. Pain, yep, yep. Anything else? So far, I'm just smarter than you guys. I got a list about 20. <laughs> Anything else? Talia always loves it when I make fun of people. The smile that came across her face as I said that. <clears throat> what else? Anything else? How about, how about like just paying your bills? Or, or how about in your, not your marriages, of course, but like in marriage, we have a, a lack of peace sometimes, you know, and, and, and in relationships with our best friends, at work, when, we're, when, when we know that we're stuck working with somebody that we don't want to be working with in a, in, in a building for like, and you don't even know how long it's going to last. It could be five years, it could be 10 years, and the whole time you're kind of hoping that they pray, you're, you're praying that they move. You know what I mean? Like there, there's... There's so many things that we get conflicted about. Our work lives, where to live, how to spend our money, how to fix our debt if we have it, um, our marriages, uh, so many things. And, 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 and it's, it's funny how, and, and the, the faith one, I'm glad we said that one, uh, how sometimes we don't even realize we have a lack of peace. Uh, so many people, I, 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 don't, I actually believe that the heart gets convicted and I think that's, people know. I, I believe that, but um, what we're going to be looking at today is we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 5, 1, and we're going to be looking at how we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, before we start, let's pray, and then we're going to read that text, but let us, let's pray. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word to us. Lord, um, you used the Apostle Paul to speak and to write, and may, may the words that you have given him, these God-breathed words, may they speak to our hearts, our minds, our souls. May we not just hear them, Lord, but Lord, may you give us the ability to not reject those words. So with this, help us to just focus and leave everything that's outside this building, outside this building. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
So with that, let's read Romans chapter 5, 1 through 11. Here's what it says. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. If you know me, if you come to this church often, you know something, I usually like to preach on about three to four verses. But with this text, here's what I felt like. I read the first verse, and I'm like, I can preach on just this verse for 30 minutes. But it was kind of like when I go to a buffet, which is one of my most favorite things to do, I, I put a, you put a little bit on your plate and then you walk to the thing and you put a little more and you're walking around and you put a little bit more and then you put a little bit more and then you put a little bit more and by the end of it, you realize that you have this heaping mound of food that you can't wait to, to digest, to indulge in. It is the same thing with this text. There's so much good stuff in here that we have that I didn't even, I mean, I stopped at 11 because that's where other theologians stop and how they, they, they break this up. But man, it is so good, this whole chapter. And it starts off um, <clears throat> by saying, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You always know something's a big deal in the news um, because it will be on every news channel. And then it won't even just be on like the news channels. Like if you watch something and it's like the, the five o'clock people had to talk about, the six o'clock people had to talk about, the seven o'clock people. If you follow sports, like every now and then I, when I get to watch television, um, I'll, I'll watch uh, a couple of sports shows in the afternoon. And it's funny because the three or like, like the four, four thirty-five, and five thirty, they have all these sports segments and they're all different titled, but they go over the same exact topics that the one did earlier. They might have a different take, but they cover the same thing. And, and the thing about this is when it's a big deal, you know it because everyone seems to be talking about it and they talk about it over and over and over again. And I'm wondering if this thing that, that Paul first starts talking about in this is a big deal. This whole thing of you've been justified through faith is a big deal because he keeps on writing it. It's clear to me that Paul is fighting something in the culture that he is living and preaching in and, and sharing the word because he keeps going back to this in this letter over and over and over again. And we must remember that we're only in chapter 5. 
Paul's clearly addressing the issue of works righteousness. He is preaching to people and writing letters to the sinfulness of man. Man, people who think that they can earn or or live out something of a life that would be acceptable to God. And he's trying to get them to understand that it's not about what you do, it is about what he does for us. Up in this, this slide here, we're going to go on to the next slide, and it says, now this, this is what as we look through, we're in chapter 5, this is what it starts to say in Romans 1.5, through him and his namesake, we receive grace that comes through what? Faith. Romans 1.8, I thank my God through Jesus Christ because of your faith is being reported. Romans 1.16, power of salvation for everyone who believes. When you believe in something, you have faith in it. Romans 1.17, the righteous will live by faith. Next one. Romans 2 and 3, go through, through and read those chapters, and it points out constantly throughout Romans 2 that it's not about my deeds. It's, I'm, I'm not good enough. My deeds are going to condemn me. It's what it goes through and talks about. And then we get to Romans chapter 3. The righteousness from God comes through in Jesus Christ who all believe. Romans 3.25, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Romans 3.27, on on that of observing the law, but it's actually not on that of observing the law, but on that of faith. Romans 3.28, for we obtain that a person is justified by faith apart of observing the law. Oh man, I forgot there was more. <laughs> Romans 4.3, Abraham believed God. Romans 4.5, the man who, doesn't, who does not work, does not do things, is not trying to earn his salvation, but trusts God who justifies the wicked. His deeds is credited to him as righteousness, or his faith is credited to him as righteousness. I said that wrong. Just look at that one. The man who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked. That should speak to our hearts and to our minds and to our souls. Romans 4.11, a seal of righteousness that he had by faith. Romans 4.13, but through the righteousness that comes by faith, Faith, Romans 4, 16, the promises come by faith so that it may be by grace. Is there more? Okay. Whew. I, I think this is important. You know, it, it's, it's one, this is the book that, that I don't care if you grew up in a Methodist church. I don't care if you grew up in a Baptist church. I don't care if you grew up in a Lutheran church. Listen, this is the book that we use for our theology Everybody, all theologians, go back and they look at Romans to no end. Romans and, and a good chunk of probably like Genesis, but Romans even points us back to the Old Testament. Not probably, it completely does. And, and, and Paul is beating his drum so hard because inside of each one of us is a do-gooder. And let me say it even another way. Inside of each one of us is a failing do-gooder. do-gooder. Someone who, who is failing at being their best person right now. My friend, this is good news. 
This is the good news we need to hear. This is the good news we should want to hear. That is not about my deeds. It's not about my actions. It's not about my best life right now. It is about my faith that he gives to me in his work and in his blood and in his promise to us. Where Satan tries to use our deeds against us is where we use, where we use Jesus' deeds for us. Next slide. When Satan reminds us of our sins, we remind him of Jesus' death. When, see, when Satan reminds you of, and me of our secrets, we remind him of Jesus' blood. When Satan reminds us of our shame, we remind him of the promises he gives to those who receive his promises to us. And therefore, we go on to the second half of, 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 of verse 1. So the first half says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, not through our works, we've got to keep saying that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you processed this? This verse tells us something that before Christ died for us, before we had faith, or you could say the, those who are living without faith in Jesus Christ, that there is no what? Peace. Peace comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And I think we totally misunderstand this. Like when we think that, um, that we are without peace with God, it's almost like we think that we're in a room with God and it's not that we have this huge beef with him, but it's that we don't completely trust in his words. So I think that there's people who would say, listen, I'm not a believer, but I'm not anti-God. Or, hey, I believe in God, but I'm not sure who he is. Or, or something along those lines. And what it's more like is this. Let me give you a better picture of it. When we don't have peace with, oh, let me finish that thought real quick. It's, it's, it's when we think that we can be in the same room and you ever been in the same room with someone you're not happy with? And you just kind of like, yeah, Tony smiled. <laughs> Tony, you've been in trouble before. Yeah, I, that was that smile. But you know, it's, 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 that, it's that when you're in a room with somebody and you know you don't have peace, you know they don't like you, or you know they're mad at you, or you know you have conflict, or you're frustrated with them, and you kind of do your best not to make eye contact. You kind of do your best not to have a conversation with them. You're kind of sitting there waiting for them to make the first move or say the first words or something along those lines. This picture is a very weak illustration of where we're at with God. It is way worse than that. It's beyond that. When we don't have peace with him, we get a different picture and at the end of the text that we are reading of what that looks like. Verse 6 says this, and then you will go on. To, yeah, there we go. Thank you. Verse 6 says, You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for who? The ungodly. Man, you ever been, you ever think about that's, what, that's how we're labeled in Scripture when we're not living in Christ, when we don't have faith? We're, we're labeled as ungodly. Next one says in verse 8, While we were still sinners, still what? Sinners. Christ died for us. And we'll come back to that in a little bit because there we see Paul juxtaposing who we are and who God is. And we've been doing that since the very first week of this when we've been talking about, about, about our um, anthropology, what we think of, of man and the sinfulness of man. 
And then we think about our Christology and who we see God as. But, but let's go on to the next one, which is verse 10. And it says, while we were God's enemies. Man, do you picture yourself as an enemy of God? I am guessing if you were sitting here and you were saying, you know what, I don't have a relationship with Jesus the way I want, or, my, or you're sitting there and you're saying, you know what, I know my neighbor doesn't believe. It is important for us to understand how God sees us when we are not living in faith, when we're not living in the promises of what Jesus Christ has done for us. He sees us as what? Enemies. And that's harsh. That is a hard thing for us to grasp. Think about the neighbor who plays loud music. Think about the neighbor who has three broken down cars in their front yard, whose dog barks all day long, whose dog does his business in your yard. Think about the neighbor who doesn't rake his leaves. Think about the coworker who is always late, always calling in, always slacking, always making mistakes for you to clean up, up, up after. Think about the thief who breaks into your garage. Think about your neighbor's garage that got broken into. Think about your siblings who, who are always hard on you. Think about, about, about the person who in some way abuses you or takes advantage of you. Think about the person who wrongs you. You know, you would not call that person a good person. You would not call that person a friend. But as I give you those examples to think of, I think you probably came and pictured somebody in your mind. And as you picture that person in your mind, I want to tell you something. Christ died for that person. Christ died for that person. Verse 10 and 11 says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only in this, so that we boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It is so great, because it talks about the one, how we would not die for somebody who we don't know. We, don't, we wouldn't die for someone we don't know. And, and I think, basically, if we were going to be honest, most of us would probably only give our life for our kids. Am I wrong? I think most of us would say, I'll, I would give my life for my kid. Yeah? But you're probably not giving your life for the person who annoys you. You might feel bad for them, correct? I hope you would feel bad for them. One will hardly give his life for a righteous person. And yet Christ dies for all of those who are seen as enemies, or Christ dies for those who are far, um, who, who um, don't yet know him. And it's the beautiful thing about the cross, the beautiful thing about grace, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The ministry of reconciliation is a ministry that brings peace to those who live in a place of unrest. The ministry of reconciliation is, 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 is the ministry of giving life to those who, who are dead. The ministry of reconciliation is about fixing that which has been broken.
And God is the most persistent person that I ever have seen as we read through, him, through what he does for us in scriptures. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to close with this story. Most of us have probably heard of it before. Um, it's a story of, of Hel- Helen Keller. Helen Keller is, is when we think of her, um, she, she's a pretty well-known educator or her humanitarian. She was born with the ability to see and with the ability to hear. But when she was a baby, she got really sick, and a few days after um, her sickness finally left or her fever broke, um, her mom started to notice that, that she didn't respond to noises. And then she started to realize that when she would wave her hand in front of the baby's face that she couldn't see. The sickness that had hit her left her blind in death. Obviously, this limited Helen. She communicated to others with about 60 different noises or motions that they could recognize, and that's how she communicated with people through the age of seven. I want you to think about the conflict, the frustration of Helen and others who, who, who were trying to, to live with her because she didn't know how to communicate with other people. But then in 1886, Helen's mother read something by, written by Charles Dickens, and Dickens about the success of another blind and deaf child. So Helen's mother sent Helen and her father from Alabama to Maryland to see a doctor. That doctor suggested to them that they go and see Alexander Graham Bell, the inventor of the telephone, who at that time was working with deaf children. He recommended to the father that they go to the Perkins Institute for the Blind in Boston. The dean of that school recommended that they work with one of their most recent graduates, Ann Sullivan. Ann Sullivan then moved to Alabama to start to work with Helen. She started by, by, by giving her a doll. When she gave her a doll, she, she, put, she gave her the doll, doll, and then she put in her hand, and she spelled out the word doll in the hand. But, but Helen Keller didn't understand this. She didn't understand this person trying to work in her life. She didn't understand why this person's there. She didn't understand why she kept on touching her hand. <clears throat> and she just kept on doing this. And, and, and Anne just believed if she kept on at it, that eventually one day that, that, that Helen would begin to understand. But as Helen got older, she disliked Anne more and more. They became more and more frustrated with each other. And it came to a point when... when, when um, when Helen Keller's frustrations grew and her tantrums grew as well, that they got to the point where Anne says that we need to leave and we need to go to a different place. And, and she takes her to a different place where, she, where Helen would, would be kind of like only allowed to depend on Anne. And while they're out there one day, Anne takes her outside and she's, I, from what I'm reading and understanding this, she's a little frustrated with her and she's pumping water and she puts Anne's or Helen's hand under the water, and then she spells out water, and she does it again, and finally on this one day, she understands. It, it kind of just clicks for her. And, and, and as Anne understands that she was signing water, or Helen understands she was signing water, she touches the ground, and then Anne starts to, to sign ground. And then that day, as the light goes on in her head, she learns 30 words. I'm telling you this story because I think so often we get so frustrated with what's going on in life that that we're blind and we're deaf and we don't understand the leading and the moving of the Holy Spirit. We don't understand what God is trying to do for us. And in this whole time, he is trying to bring peace to us through the work of Jesus Christ and not through the works of ourselves. 
He is, he is trying to, to take his ministry of reconciliation, and he's trying to fix that which is broken. And the question that I'm, I'm going to leave with you and I'm going to give to you is that are you trusting completely in the reconciliation of Jesus Christ? Are, are, are we leaving it to him? Is, is our faith in what he does or is our faith in what we do? And my, my hope and my prayer for us all is that we're trusting not in the works of ourselves, but in the works of Jesus Christ and what he does for us on the cross. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, not every illustration works perfectly. But inside each one of us, Lord, your Holy Spirit has the, the ability to speak to our hearts and our minds and our souls. Lord, may we depend on you and may we rest in the work that you have done for us. And when our mind tells us we're still sinners and when our mind tells us we mess up and when, and when, and when we feel horrible, Lord, may we rest and may we combat those thoughts with the finished work of Jesus Christ. Lord, it is in you that we have our salvation. It is in you. In your name we pray, amen.